0: And Welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Violette F.R. and creative director of makeup for Guerlain, Violette Sera. Violette has been a bucket list guest of mine since season one, as I became aware of her work at something of a pivotal time career-wise for me. I first saw Violet's work in 2015, around a year before I started working for myself, when I was really feeling disillusioned by the beauty industry, and I wasn't quite sure where my place within it was. There was very little in terms of content, artistry, even brands that were resonating with me. And then it all felt very manicured and polished and precise and then I saw a video of Violette using her fingers to apply I think coloured pigment to her eyelids in the back of a taxi and it just reminded me of everything I loved about beauty and how much fun it could be. Violette realised that she wanted to become a makeup artist at the age of 19 after applying glitter to a friend's face ahead of a party She promptly moved to New York with no training beyond a Kevin Aquan library book and began to network her way into the beauty industry. Between 2012 and 2020, Violette worked as makeup designer at Dior, a product development consultant at Sephora, and as Estee Lauder's global beauty director and was discovered by Vogue France in 2015. In 2021, Violette was named Creative Director of Makeup for heritage brand Golan and launched her own brand, Violette FR. This one's for the real beauty lovers. In this conversation, Violette shares why she's an advocate for self funding where possible, the value in staying true to your personal style when others suggest otherwise, and why she'd prefer it if her daughter weren't to follow in her footsteps. I have read that it was at the age of about 19 that you decided you wanted to be a makeup artist but I would love to start by going back even further what is your very earliest memory of beauty
1: My really my very first memory of beauty was at 8 years old I was I was in the Jardin Bagatelle which is a rose garden in Paris that's like spectacular with like peacock walking around and in amount of roses everywhere from different colors and it's it's really insane and so as a kid you go there all the time and I was walking around and I met I met no that's how I impacted me I met a rose (laughs) I saw this rose it was one rose that was black red and it's the first and last time I saw I saw it and I was mind blown by this color and because in France everyone is wearing red lipstick it's not Mm. it's not a cliche it's true huh I was like, this is a red we should make as a lipstick. And I was never into makeup. I never cared about makeup. I still don't. Um, And then I thought of this. And the day I was accidentally a makeup artist, I was like, oh, well, now I'm on the way a bit more to do this lipstick myself. Um, So this is my first memory. So that's when you were
0: eight, but it wasn't until let's say 11 years down the track that you applied glitter to a friend's face ahead of a party. That moment, that's when you decided makeup artistry was the career for you. Tell me about that night. What was it about that moment that made you think, okay, this is what I need to do. And this is where I need to be. Because
1: I was studying painting and fashion at the same time, and I couldn't decide between the to and I really had to to further my studies and uh, when I did my friend's makeup, also because I was using glitter, I was not using like foundation. It was yeah. something fun and super creative. I was like, wow, makeup is a way to dress yourself up, but also a way to paint yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's like both of my love together. So maybe I can do my own way of doing makeup. So I was never interested in becoming a makeup artist. I was interested in like becoming this creative person that will use makeup as a way to make you feel you're the artist and the muse at the same time mm-hmm. and and so that's why I never assisted and never went to makeup school because I had this vision and I was like I'm gonna use my training in fashion and and art to do it and if it doesn't work I won't do it but it was very clear the way I wanted to do it
0: I don't know if this has an obvious answer or not but I would love your take. Given that you did have that interest in fine art, what was it about makeup artistry as opposed to fine art that you felt an affinity for? What do you think was missing from your experience in traditional art, if you will, that makeup offered?
1: Well, first I think art comes in every form and shape and well, you say traditional art is a way of doing art, but mm. I already, I, right away, I thought makeup is art. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I was like, this is gonna be my way. And why did I prefer this way? It's because I loved doing it on a person because when I was doing it on a canvas or drawing, sketching a dress, whatever, not fit, I was in contact with nobody. And so yeah. I was missing this inspiration from someone. And, and when you touch a skin or, you know, people are like, oh, if you, put, if you have blue eyes, you cannot wear blue eyeshadow. You don't know until you put the blue eyeshadow on the person. And um, sorry, we have like crazy construction when you think of this in, my, in, in the building. Um, and, and so I thought that it will make every creative process unique and in connection with somebody and the inspiration will be endless for me. So it was two weeks after
0: that night that you arrived in New York City. Why was New York the city that you were drawn to? Why not Paris?
1: I think I just wanted to get away because my parents worked in industry and, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, I don't want to do anything like my parents. Like, yep. you're so <laughs> rebellious, right? Mm-hmm. So I absolutely didn't want to do any of the those things, I didn't want anybody to know me. And uh, and so I needed to break free, I needed to step out of my comfort zone. I, I needed, I don't know, I really needed to expose myself in a way. And um, because then I had no choice but to kick my ass and work. Because mm. honestly, New York, when they say, you, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, it's so true. It's really hard. And I've experienced New York with no money, not speaking the language no paperwork and it was really really tough also because i was so young when i came back i felt like nothing could really shake me like i was i was done i was strong enough to just be very like focused and just do my thing so yes and then i say i mean it's stupid but it's true i when you're not living in the us you you see this tv show like friends and you see these movies where. It sounds so fun and and iconic and uh, and unattainable, and I love the idea of um, if you like something, just go for it. So, so that that's why it became my my dream somehow.
0: I love that. So you're there. You you don't really speak the language, little to no money. I read that with the bit of money that you did have, you just bought pigment pots to sort of mix. You studied Kevin Aquan's books. Am I right in saying there was no formal training? You were just completely self-taught? No.
1: Zero training. I didn't even know. I was like, wait, foundation powder? Because that, especially like in France, you don't really use foundation. Mm. Like, yeah, I mastered red lipstick, but beyond that, that's it. So I went to the library and I was like, okay, what are the makeup books you have? And the guy was like, only, basically, only Kevin was doing this. And I'm really grateful for him because he put all his knowledge into a book mm. for anyone to understand it. And he was basically my teacher without knowing it. And so compressed, and so easy to understand. But what was good is that his makeup style and mine were so opposite. Yeah. Because I, I don't transform anything, but it was enough for me to at least know what it does like foundation and why yellow undertone to foundation is better for the glow of the face and why all these things matters and how you can transform a face like the this knowledge was very very interesting for me to know and then i had my art training that was the color part the fun part that i had so uh with these two in in mind i was able to do my own but that that's the magic of Makeup because I feel like for hair you kind of need to know yeah a little bit more the technicality of things makeup it's like anybody can become a makeup artist in my opinion you know well
0: on that how did you start getting booked what advice can you offer to anyone listening who might be an aspiring makeup artist who is just unsure of how to get that foot in the door and in a foreign city no less
1: I think um, I would never tell them to do what I did yeah because i don't know how it function for me it's, it's risky it's so risky. if my daughter right now said to me i'm gonna i mean right now she's four but like in the future told me i want to live to new york i don't speak the language i don't have paperwork i don't have money whatever it's fine figure it out i will have a heart attack mm. pretend i'm okay with it but then leave in the next building and just like all day following her without her knowing me like knowing it like i would but that I guess that that's the good thing of being a kid from the 80s. Like, how did we survive with like parents from, from that era? <laughs> I don't know. But, but we did. So I will never tell anyone to do what I did because I really think, okay, every time I said to people that know me, like it, it was a big a big chunk of luck. Like, oh it's really unfair for you to say because you worked your ass off. We never met somebody that worked so much. It's true, I worked so hard and I'm also really stubborn. This is the way I want it. If it doesn't work, it's okay. I'm gonna do something else. But if I do it, it's that way. So, yes, for sure. But honestly, too, it's the people I met down the road that believed in me mm-hmm. that allowed me to be where I am. So it's it's and this I cannot give deep on that because it's just life that throws these people at you. So on a pragmatical tip, I would say um, to assist. So, which I didn't yeah. do, but to really assist because the makeup partners will give you access if somebody that is right and fair will give you access to their network, which is what I do with my own assistant. Uh, I give them clients I cannot do anymore. Slowly, so really I I help my assistant, um find a path, like that's my job as, as somebody that's like, they're helping me, they assist me, while well, my job is to help them, pave the way for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why assisting is gonna be very, very helpful. You're gonna build a name on your own. Then I would say, give yourself four years. That's some, something that somebody told me when I started. Give yourself four years. For four years, you do everything to make it work. You work like your life depends on it. And after four years, if it didn't work, it's okay. You have a plan B in mind, do something else. But for your mental health, I think it's very important because you know that if it's not working, it's okay. You have mm-hmm. another plan. And at the same time, then it allows you to give everything you have because you know there is a perception date some sort. Mm-hmm. So to me, that, that was always the best advice I got.
0: Four years is such a nice timeline as well because i feel like sometimes people will give it about mm-hmm. six months and if it doesn't work in that time they oh, go that's okay enough. that's
1: it no no one yeah. can do
0: anything in six months no. no no
1: it's it's really uh i would say the first year you just try you mm. put your toes in it you're looking like it's four years is where you can say okay i'm building a career
0: mm. so In time, you moved back to France. You were discovered by Vogue France in 2011. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear more about that time. How did they find you and what did that change for you?
1: Yeah, that was amazing. That was such a funny moment because I remember, so I had no personal client, like uh, somebody I do makeup on, never. I would just do editorial. But then I had this one woman, Patricia Goldman, that I would do her makeup because Mm -hmm. I just loved her I don't know how to explain that she she was one of like the biggest PR of fashion in France extremely respected brilliant women and um I just met her through family whatever and then started to make up just because I loved her and every time I saw her she would tell me she (laughs) she was so cute because I was doing her makeup she would just stare at me quietly and then she'll say you know, one day you'll be a star. And I'm like, oh, Patricia, it's mm. like, oh, whatever. You sound like an old ten that's like, a, and that's like a fan of her niece and telling you like, you're totally not credible. And she was, she always really believed it, so strong. And then one day she said, you know, I, I because she was taking care of Vogue and she said, you know, I keep telling about you to French Vogue and to Karine Wattfeld. Um, You should just reach out. And so very naively, I just take my phone and I just called Karin's office. I I end up talking to her assistant and I say, hi, I'm Gillette. Uh So I'm a makeup artist and I take her first second man, which is the front of hers. And she told me to reach out to see if Karin could meet me because I could present her my work. Mm. And the assistant was like, huh? <laughs> like what? <laughs> what the hell is happening? And, but she still relayed the message, which was nice. And Kevin mm. was like, "Oh my gosh, yes, I've heard of her. Uh, of course." Which is also because Karin was always and is still a person that was interested to discover new talent. Mm. Like she's a hunter; she discovered talent. And so, somebody else would have said, "I'm too busy, whatever." And she was like, "No, actually, I'm I'm curious." So got called back, got a meeting. I was so nervous. And the one thing that was difficult for me is that I was always very proud to be a woman, was dressed up, I love fashion, so I would come like with my Panama hat, my lipstick, uh, sometimes my heels. Like my kit as a makeup artist was like a leather suitcase from the 50s, like not like this big suitcase. Like I was very Mm -hmm. different from other classic, I guess, image you could have of a makeup artist. And so I entered the room dressed up like this, because that's who I am. I remember she scanned me from head to toe, and she said, "Oh, you're such a French girl, a French Vogue girl." Oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, phew. She didn't tell me because I got a lot of backlash on the set for being like this. People would tell me, really? "You have to look more humble." Yeah, and they told me you can't look that pretty. You have to look more humble in front of the talent. Otherwise, they're gonna make you're gonna make them insecure. I'm like, listen, if I was a talent and somebody that inspired me will take care of me, I would be actually secure so let me be who i am yeah and i thought that because i thought it was such a misogynist like comment i had so many times and most of it was actually coming from women she was the first one that welcomed it with big arms and she was like i love it and that was amazing and i'm grateful that for this kid at the time i was still a kid that i was that wasn't I was so nervous for the meeting, yet I didn't try to be different for that meeting. I would still myself. And that's what she liked. And so she looked at my portfolio and she said, that's how brilliant she is though. She was like, I can't see your work. I know there's potential. I can see it. But I don't know exactly who you are artistically because I want to see you as a creative director of your shoot. You do everything yourself. And then come back to me. Give me four, uh, five steps stories, editorial stories, like you working as the art director for the magazine and you do the makeup, but you also do the art direction and you come back. So I did that for a month. I cast 120 girls. I went to find photographers. It was a time where retouching was very, very like glossy, perfect, Mm. the Method Marcus era. And I decided to go without any retouch and I printed the book drop it at the office. The assistant was like, do you want to stay? She's going to look at me. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to be here. Here you go. Bye. And i like, right away. And then she called me on my cell and she she gave me the most amazing compliment she could dream to have. And and then the next day almost, I had an article in French that said the new face of fashion for me. And that was wow. it. So that's how really that gave me my sense of approval that made me start.
0: There's good advice in there as well about not diluting your style your mm-hmm. personality because being the makeup artist you're up close and personal with the talent I
1: suppose yeah how exhausting
0: yeah. that would be if you were pretending to be someone else
1: no that it's not sustainable and I don't see how this is reassuring for anyone to no. be honest like I think it became a strength for me to come on as being who I was because people I don't know they felt like they could count on me
0: mm. in a way it was between I think January 2012 and September 2014 that you were a makeup designer at Dior what was it like working for a brand for the first time and a heritage brand that compared to just mixing your own pigments on the go
1: yeah I mean again another funny thing is that I was so young that I was 26 so when they hired me i was really like in my own creative bubble and very like you couldn't tame me in a way and they didn't try because thank god i started with a french house and i think the french way they understand they understood a little bit of my craziness i don't know if in another culture i would have matched as much and so the fact that i was working with the house themselves like I, I remember like they made me do the now I was thinking about it I'm like what it, it was really another era um the the director of communication global the group of of Joe saw my I had this like books that I used to do where I used to draw sketches ideas of products ideas of makeup like I glue like those mood boards that I keep doing like uh, that's that's my thing and I always did that. And um, he saw that. It was like I love it so much. I want you to be in charge of doing the marketing decks for every launch we do. Because at the time we didn't send somebody online or something online. Like we would print something. I was like, okay, clueless, no idea. Okay, I'll do it. Sure. I chose a graphic design person. I chose a journalist. I drafted the text. I did the shoots. I did the art of the thing, like everything from A to Z. And to this day, like journalists still t- talk talked to me about it, saying that it was their favorite uh press release because it felt so artistic and so authentic. They loved it. But when you think about it, they let a kid that's a makeup artist that's never done marketing to do that. That was quite insane. So I think the amazing opportunity they gave me is to have, they gave me so much freedom to do what I thought was right. They really believed in me and 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 then I could be educated of what it is to work for such a yeah, like you said, patrimoine type of house with such mm. big responsibilities. It was very intense. It was very stressful. Um it was a lot. I was traveling all the time. Like it was that's why I stopped after three years. I was like I I feel like I'm burning everything too, too fast. Like I need to go back to being solo. And then I can go back to a brand.
0: You also worked as a product development consultant for Sephora. I would love to hear Mm -hmm. more about that time as I feel like it really feeds into doing what you're doing at your own brand. Now, what were some lessons that you picked up during that time when your career was sort of still in its infancy that you find you're still applying to your work today? Well,
1: I, you know, it's, so the Paris office, they're the ones who are doing global uh, product development, et cetera. The, market, the U.S. market, has they have their own team, but the rest of the world is really managed by France, And it still felt like a startup. Really? It was a very small team, super crafty. Everybody will roll up their sleeve and do it. I remember that when I arrived, um, they didn't want to be on Instagram. I was like, come on, guys, you need to be on Instagram now. Said so the name doesn't work. It was called Made in Sephora. I'm like, the name is like, makes no sense. Then I said, like, your leave stain is the best thing ever. You need to push it. And actually it became number one Sephora product. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we it was really amazing to be able to have so much influence and see the impact it would have on such a big business uh, because it was a du- the dusty brand of, of Sephora even though they had amazing products, amazing products and and they didn't know they had almost. And so they needed a makeup artist, I feel like, to shine a light on it. Um, so I think what it did is just, um, it made me realize, like, even with a small team, you can do very big things. It just a matter of how much work you put into it, because we were such a small team. Um, and when you're very passionate, you just get it through. So without passion in this job, you just nothing happens.
0: Not to make it about me, but I vividly remember becoming aware of you and your work in would have been 2015 or 16 when I saw your French lessons YouTube series on the Violet Grey channel. I owe you a thank you actually, because it was at that point I was working in fashion and beauty and I hit a crossroads where I had to decide between the two and I had become so disillusioned with beauty because, every I mean, no disrespect, but everyone sort of looked the same. Everyone was doing the same mm-hmm. thing. And then I watched what you were doing and I'm like, there actually is room in this space for people to just do what they want to do and kind of yeah. go against the grain. So this might be a difficult question for you to answer objectively, but what do you think it is about your approach to makeup artistry that separates you from so many other artists?
1: I think because I I I paint with emotion mm-hmm. makeup. That this is how I used to make up. I I can see some friends of mine who are makeup artists. I always make fun of them, like they make fun of me. I all so benevolent or they I can talk about a product for hours and how it's great because of this and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm bored to death. Like uh who who cares? Um I just think colors hold a vibration, something, and makeup has a power to impact how you feel about yourself and really help build something with yourself and your self-esteem. Like it's, it has a connection with your mental health. And I really strongly believe in that. And so that's my only purpose. I I don't care about trends. Um, even though I, I love TikTok, I will never, play that trend thing when they like it's like who's going to invent the new technique of makeup and break the boundaries like i i'm i'm not interested in this what i'm interested is like how you wake up in the morning and you're like how do i feel today oh i feel a bit down but i want to feel good what can i do it's sunday i'm going to go on a brunch why don't i put a bit of glitter on my eyelash or on the tip of my lip and have a red lipstick on put jeans t-shirt blazer and just go out the door and then you're gonna feel something. It's gonna make you feel something. And and every day you use makeup and skincare, you think you're celebrating who you are. You're not fixing, you're not changing. You're just checking with your mood and helping makeup play with that mood and telling yourself you're enough, you're born perfect. Uh, I feel like this has more impact. So that's the only thing I'm worried about and focused on. So that means like, Everything I do, I, I'm not going to do makeup reviews. And I know that people would love that I do that, like tell you what I like and what I don't like. But I, I, I don't want to, do, there's many people doing it. I don't want to say, oh, I hate this mascara shit because this and that. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to tell you what I love though. So at least you know that I love this. But I want to teach you more about how can you uh, fall in love with yourself and how can you be the artist and the muse for yourself. So I feel like that impacts the way I do makeup drastically mm. my I,
0: that's exactly what came across in that series it was like okay I've been at work today and now I'm going out to dinner so now I'm going to sit on the side of the road and put some eyeliner on yeah the
1: best it's funny because I I think the team back then at Value Gray because I, I I told them when I launched my YouTube channel and that's I think I did at the same time i uh, of their episode or something, but it was that time I started to do it. Uh, they right away wanted to capture my raw self and didn't want to try to do anything. They were like, okay, where do you do your makeup? I'm like, honestly, like in the street, mm. <laughs> in the back of a car. Um, and that's what I wanted to capture from my own channel. And um, and still to this day, my first episode on my YouTube channel is my favorite. It's called, a, uh, I think, A Bleu Apero. That's my yes. favorite one. Uh, oh, you know this one? Yeah,
0: vivid, vivid memories. I've watched them all back to back just because at that time it was like a one color backdrop, studio yeah. lighting from every single angle, yeah. and it would. These are the exact steps that you have to work yeah. through in this order, and you need this brush, this product, and yeah. this is what you're going to look like at the end. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just want to add one thing. And that's not what I teach.
1: I'm, no. This is really not what I teach. I'm teaching you, like, for this episode, I'm like, at the bistro, I have a glass of wine, and I put this blue on my eyes, and, I'm, and I remember saying, when I was in blue, it's like, I have balls. I have balls to wear blue, like, it makes me feel strong and good. And then when I posted, like, upload, you know, post on YouTube, like, the American people are going to be okay with me doing this.
0: And they were. Thank God. Australia loved it too. 2017, <laughs> you reached an even larger audience when you became Estee Lauder's Global Beauty Director. Tell me how that partnership came to be because global is something. What did that particular role involve?
1: Yeah, that, that was really a special moment because I remember I was negotiating with a few brands really contacted me to have the same role. Um and I I couldn't believe how lucky I was to be in this situation. Um, but um, I'm a very mission-driven person, so I don't really care about the title or what it means for my ego. I I want to know: Am I going to am I going to be able to really do a good job? Because some brands hire you and you cannot do anything. I'm going to have impact. Am I going to be able to change things? Am I going to be good? Am I going to do a good job? And. Uh, and when lauder came to me they didn't tell me first they just say come to the office want to meet you and so i was like okay no at first i didn't even reply i think and he's like matthew parr the creative director who i knew from mac was like hey <laughs> i've been asking you us. come to the office i'm like oh sorry it's yes. okay i'll come <laughs> and i came to the office and they were asking me all these questions i was like what am I doing here you didn't even tell me like we're meeting you for this they didn't tell me anything so they were asking about, How do you feel working with brands? And me, very naively, I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, it was really hard with you all, even though it was amazing. I don't know if I want to go through that again. Like, I was really not selling myself. You know, I'm the way I am. I don't want to be tame. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I'm just stubborn. I don't want people to let me be stubborn. So I was really not selling it. And then Matthew took me in his office and was like, okay, so let me tell you why you're here. Um, I want you to become... You know the global beauty director, and I was like, "Why didn't you tell me before?" And it's like, "No, because we just wanted to see how you felt and stuff." I said, "Actually, it's good you didn't tell me mm. because you then you just heard what I wanted to say without knowing what you're going to say." And uh, and I was really honored because when you're a little French girl coming to the U.S., it's, you know, and then suddenly the biggest you American brand offer you this world. and also a lot of for me it was such an iconic house because. first woman in industry really making it in beauty world and at that time trust me for women it was really not easy to make your own business and she did so i was full of admiration and be able to walk in her shoes was such an honor so yeah that was a that was a big entry moment very quickly after that i was focused on like okay what's my job how can i do well um and it was fun but it was fun
0: you developed a number of capsule collections for the brand. Was it at this point you started thinking about developing your own line, or did that come a bit later, or had that been ruminating for some time?
1: So I always knew. I the reason why I moved to New York again was because I knew I wanted to do my brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I knew that I I I don't know. Again, like another big milestone in my life, I wanted to go back to New York for this. I don't know why it's weird. Um so I went back to New York when, and, and really decided to work on it. So for the first eight months I didn't work and because uh, people didn't know me there. So I built my brand book, my and that influenced the type of style for makeup I would do in the tutorials and the YouTube video, the YouTube channel, etc. And so when Lauder came to me, I was actually trying starting negotiation to with some other people to maybe do my brand. And when they came to me, I said, I pressed pause on everything. And said, guys, I can't say no to that amazing opportunity. Also, I'm going to learn so much. So I'm going to do this. And I think that's something very important too is timing is key, but when your instinct is telling you, take the stairs, and stairs instead of the elevator, just trust your gut, because I have zero regrets. I did that. Um, and so I would say that it gave me the confidence that I could have a sustainable business. Because when we launched my first collection and we sold out very quickly, um, I was really blown away. I was like, "Okay, so we can, I, I can work, I can tell. Mm.
0: I bought that first collection. I'm not even sure if we had it in Australia. I think I used like a mail forwarding thing, but oh.
1: Oh really? That's yeah. amazing.
0: When I mean, it had, and it was in that like that sort of baskety bucket bag, yeah, and there was the scarf. Did. Yeah. Mm. You you did launch your own brand in 2021 but I want to circle back to this as you had a little bit going on all at once it was in (laughs) putting it lightly July 2021 I think that you were announced as the creative director of makeup for Golan how did -hmm. that partnership come to be and what was it about the brand that you felt an affinity for
1: yeah um it's a Dior team that moved to Ghana, and from my days at Dior, who called me back and said, um, listen, we're taking over Ghana. we're going to write the new chapter of the house. It's going to be absolutely amazing and incredible. We need you. And I said, well, first of all, I'm very honored you say you need me. I don't think so, but thank you so much. <laughs> but I can't. I'm launching a brand and I can't put my time there. And I, I don't want to. And so I even offered to help them find someone. So that's why I started to do the first conversation. I was really trying to. And I think it's I, now that I know them, I'm like for, for this. Like I know more about the story. I'm pretty sure they were on the phone, being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, waiting for me to come around. And I think when they started to realize, like nothing, you know, I was still being, um, I don't know, I was still saying no. They just said, okay, let us just show you what we have planned for this brand because. I said like the desire is not absent. Guerlain is a 200 years old almost house. He created the first lipstick in a bullet. It's the French essence. It's the DNA of our country. It's like such, it would be such a pride for me to do that, but I just can't. And when they showed me their plan, It was so aligning with what I would have done if I had like carte blanche and I could do everything I wanted for this brand and the sustainability aspect of it, the commitment to bees and uh, the code on how to develop colors, etc. I was like, it's like a house of haute couture of beauty and that's going to live to the level it should be. And I love the team so much and I met with like so many people that. Of working with a brand and I really fell in love and, and once you fall in love you find you find ways to make it work which I did.
0: Despite both being French both being very chic your brand and Golana distinctly different how would yeah. you characterize the two?
1: Yeah that's why people are really like oh can you create for both brands you must be so difficult I'm like really not because oh, they're, so, they're different. so different right? Mm-hmm. It's so, for me, it's very easy. I mean, sometimes I'll, my team is like talking to me about a product from my brand. I'm like, oh, this is completely Gallon. It's really not us. It's completely mm-hmm. Gallon. Let me think about this. Um, and also, we have such a healthy relationship with the brand that if they want to launch something that feels a bit too similar from mine, I would just tell them, and they're like, okay, oh, well, let's change the direction. So it's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Um, so, it's it's just that for me Gala the haute couture of beauty. So when I work there, I really elevated the skin to the, the team, sorry, to work like that. We have and my office at like the creator office. We work with fabric samples, we go to the lab with that, we create the color from scratch. Um every packaging has to be like really precious, the way we work has to be really precious. Uh I'm making essential that are perfect, like the right eyeliner, the right eyebrow pencil, the right foundation. Like it's, it, it has to be like the place you go if you don't want to take any risk and have the best quality. So that's the way we work. So the team around you has to be to that level and which it is and without them, I wouldn't be able to do anything. So I'm so happy that I work with them. Like the two of them, my brand and Ghana, it's amazing because Ghana, uh, my brand is very much me. And so sometimes it feels good to, to get away from that, mm. be a guest of the house. And then I come back to myself. Like it's a, a breath of fresh air. It's actually very healthy for me.
0: Let's talk about your brand. What was the gap in the existing market that you identified and that you wanted to fill?
1: So the way I do my brand is like, okay, if you have a magic wand, what would you do? Mm-hmm. What, what products do you want to see? And I've been asking this question for 15 years to beauty editors. And um and it's funny how people struggle to really stop thinking about what's possible or not. They give me like I'm like, no, that already exists, that's doable. No, you have a magic wand. What do you want? And um so it's not like I have an overall strategy. The brand is more like we're just gonna create products that don't exist because that's my way of you know trying to control the damage of producing you produce you're part of the mm-hmm. problem so how can i control that this is my way but then the good thing is that forces me to be super innovative like for example uh, with my chemistry we were working on this serum for hair because i had a really difficult uh, hair loss and um he was developing the concept and i was like well no that's just another um, yeah, another hair loss product It's like no it's amazing because i'm like yes to you because it's your baby you will make it but it's still another hair loss product we cannot do that so if we don't have our angle that really justified like actually we, that's a great idea to go to market with we'll, we're not going to do it and so that that really forces me for innovation and also excuse the fact that i'm going to take a, a year and a half to develop a color of a product uh, I, I get to really work the way I want to work. So it's it's a brand that's I'm very passionate about. For a girl that hates marketing, I'm able to do marketing my own way. Um, it's it's just amazing when it's your own business and you're able to do everything. So I would say it's a it's a lifestyle beauty brand that's really trying to use beauty as a way to um re like reunite yourself with yourself. Like you inspire you to be. Um, the artist and the muse and take care of what Mother Nature gave you with good skincare, good hair care and make you celebrate yourself with colors. That, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I see it.
0: So how did you go about doing it? It's it's one thing to have all of these innovative mm-hmm. ideas, but then how did you find the right manufacturer, packaging, funding, all of those steps that are like essential?
1: Yeah, I remember the day I decided to do my brand I was in 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 um Argentina on a shoot, and they were, again, another shoot where they were, like, having inspiration of my work everywhere, and I was like, damn, somebody's going to come and just copy my brand before I do it. So I ran to the bathroom, and in the toilet, I was calling, like, three people that I wanted to have on board to help me with my brand. I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Would you help me? And they were like, oh, my God, we've been waiting for this phone call. Yes. So then I came back three days doing my brand book like a maniac, then called them, and I was like, okay, where? let me take notes where do I start? What's the next step? <laughs> and that was so amazing. The moment where it's all blank in front of you, you have no idea what's going to happen and you just have to make this first step. And so uh, for me, it was, they were telling me either you found right now and you build a team and then you develop your products, but then that means your product development is going to have to be quick because you cannot just spend money, spend money without getting any cash back, you know, or, you do product development now that you self fund. And then once you have your product, you go into fundraising, which is what I wanted to do because I was like, listen, if I cannot make my product that I have in mind Mm. without any compromise, then I'll just stay a global beauty director somewhere. And so I was really lucky to know the first organic certified skincare brand in France from 20 years ago. The founder, and she said, You have to work with my ex-chemist because he's a super famous guy in France, genius guy. So I met him and then we really connected immediately and we started to brainstorm on boom milk, the cream and the serums are coming out. And and then he said, I think it's possible. I was like, Really? But like not quite expensive. He said, Yeah, I think it's possible in a sustainable way, natural. He said, Yeah. So then I, I got excited. Then I went to a lab that I've known from the brand I work with in the past. And I said, I want Peter Bush to be mimicking a rose petal, buildable, vegan, clean, etc. Even though I don't use the term clean. And, and we worked on 25 version, I think. And finally we did it. And so once I had these two products and then the fragrance, I was like, okay it's doable. So then I went into fundraise. So I think you have to marry yourself with a few um, bad partners at the beginning. I want to say partners, but more like vendors are not right or
0: Mm.
1: allowed That's not right. That's why it's very important if you can to self fund the product development part, because then you're not committed to do something with them. So that time by myself allowed me So it was 2018 and I raised money in 2020. So I had two years to do all my stuff, figure it out before I went to raise money. And then I had to raise money right, right when COVID happened,
0: mm, right when I had
1: a baby. Mm. That was wonderful.
0: <laughs> I actually don't know how you did it. It's such a, like, I hate saying it because men never get asked this question, but, like, it's an, it's an insane amount to be doing all at once and then with COVID happening in the background.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, as a first time mother, I didn't know what I was doing, and the found, first time founder, I didn't know what I was doing. I was in a new country, America, talking English. I never had anything to do with finance, and I talked to this investor that told me, What's your projection? and your CAC and your blended CAC, and I'm like, Wait, what what, what are you talking about? Uh, you cannot talk to them about emotion and <laughs> how the blue makes you feel, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then you were like, Okay, how do you project? In one month you'll do sales and i'm like how do i know and then you have to learn so i talked to so many brand founders just so many finance people and like marketing people in that life okay so you look at your community you divide by x y and z and then you divide again by 20 and then like, they give you a little bit of tips on how you can imagine and they tell you but just know it's going to be completely wrong but you need to build a forecast to know how much inventory you need to know how much money you need, etc. I have zero regret that I did this on my own by myself because I did it my own way. Mm-hmm. Like I remember thinking, I don't want any money. I don't want any investors. I these investors are gonna be my partners. I want it or not. So I need to make sure they're really gonna help me. And um I had the luxury with my credibility in the industry to be able to challenge them and be like, okay, you interview me, I interview you. Like, what can you do for me, really? And talk to other brands invested in to know what type of investor they were. So um, I have a very great cap table like, right now. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy I, I did it my own way without being too influenced. Like, take the money or this investor is, is great. Like, I wanted to make my own opinion. Mm.
0: You launched with. I think 11 products, how does that product development process work for you? Are you constantly thinking about, again, that magic wand, what is going to come next, or are you working off what your customers are asking for, or is it a bit of both?
1: So um, in the brand book I did, I have pages of product ideas. So everything you're seeing now, all the ideas I had for years, and it's like... Mm -hmm. Are like oh you still have ideas I'm like listen there's a list, a big list coming like we still three had th- in three years we're talking about product right now and I, I and I'm still surfing on these old ideas so it's it's um it's really coming from years and years of research and missing products basically
0: how long does that development process take obviously you've had the ideas. For a really long time, but then when you set out and say, okay, this is what the next product's going to be, how long does that process take from that point through to completion?
1: Um I don't we're not normal. We yeah. do a very long process. <laughs> uh for skincare we do a minimum of three years. And it's not like we're trying, it's just like we saw with Boom Milk we needed three years, so we're just gonna give sorry, we're just gonna give ourselves that time so i have i gave myself a year for skincare hair care usually we do two years um color just color is a year and a half and every time i try to make it shorter it just doesn't work and i felt i don't know maybe i was born with some sort of like special vision because I know that sometimes I run my, my team crazy because I'm like, no, it's not exactly like this, like that. And I'm like, I don't see what you're talking about. And even my husband, which is a crazy maniac with color, is like, I mean, you're next level. So it's it just like, I just can't, it's like, the, I call it the, the aura of the color. Like I need to reach to that point where I'm like, this is it. So usually it's a year and a half. And then Formula is going to be around that too. So so product development timeline is pretty long for a small brand like us. Like it's mm. Usually brands have more time because they need to shoot a lot in advance because they have to build so much marketing assets. Like when I work with Giana, like we shoot so long in advance, which I don't like to do because then when the launch comes, like you're in a different era already. Mm. But I have less time with Yana to develop products than I have with my own brand. But I built the business around the timeline of product development because I'm so crazy.
0: You've been a part of the beauty industry for over 15 years now. Over, let's say, the last few years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen within the beauty industry?
1: Uh, I would say my favorite change is like it it just opened up to the world thanks to social media. Like you used to be be such a snub, small, hard-to-reach world. Like, you know, uh, I remember when I started, it's like, who did you assist? Nobody. Okay, don't even talk to me. Right now, you can be an artist in a small village, in a small country, knowing nobody having no money, no connection, and you're just going to take your phone and do a little tutorial, and you can become the next superstar of makeup. That's something I love, because that means, like, at least we have, you never have the same privileges, but at least you have more chances and opportunities that you used to that's to me it's very important because that's going to give a voice to different people it's not going to be like five people in the makeup industry that's going to lead the way and say these are the trends and this is what you should do um you have different skin color body type aesthetic style and personality that come in the world and become leaders in, in their own category and i think that's super key and super important um and then the one thing i don't like so much is using makeup as a plastic surgeon Mm. if you use it in a creative way because it is very creative to transform your face that's totally fine by me Um, because again you're the artist and the muse but if you use it because you you feel very bad about your own self and and you want to transform your face um, this is this counterintuitive on helping you loving yourself it doesn't help you accept it and i think that could be damaging for Mm. your mental health and um and that that's where i want to be a little bit more careful and and people that want to look the same and you know i see this filter on on tiktok and everybody wants to look like this so scary yeah and you're like just no that's not gonna help you feel good um it's treating the consequences not the cause how i call it so i i would say yeah that
0: And what changes do you think we can expect to see from the industry over the next couple of years?
1: I mean, I'm hoping that now you know it's so saturated and we've launched so many products that look similar that labs are going to be forced to be a bit more innovative. And to be honest, like there is a few labs that I met, and I'm like, I'm impressed. You guys are really trying hard to try something new, to think out of the box, to create magic that's what I want to work with. And you have many labs, they have the same pigment library since 1999 and they mm-hmm. don't rethink themselves and don't challenge themselves. And I'm like, that's your job. So I feel like now they're going to get more and more uh, challenged to be more creative and instead of just trying to replicate products that already exist, try to break boundaries. So I'm hoping to see like a quite innovative wave in beauty, but um, I don't think in the next two years. I think we need like a few years, a few more years to get to that mm. point.
0: My final question: What is next for Violet Fr?
1: Um, when is this live to see what I can tell you?
0: <laughs> Three weeks, so let's not um cross okay. cross okay, any okay, boundaries okay, that okay. we're
1: that's not okay. allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's okay. Uh, one of my most expected launch for myself is the serum superlative that comes out this week Mm -hmm. Um, it's i wanted to create a first aid kit for your skin so it's basically a little french pharmacy on the go and it's very small and you have five serums that target five challenges of your skin that's to me a very groundbreaking innovation because the naturally driving written formula like 96 percent but we clinically tested them with 48 hours with my chemist I was like you're crazy because nobody does that because all the results are sh- shitty compared to four mm. weeks results i'm like yeah but if i want it to be first aid kit it needs to be instant yeah so you better do a formula that's going to work really quickly <laughs> and the way he said it is like she really wanted the 48 hours result <laughs> Mm. And no choice to make it work within that timeline. And he recorded himself to that video, and we're gonna post it at lunch. It's like the cutest video because it was not scripted, it's hilarious. And it's true. And, and but not, I'm like, sorry, Luke, you're so good. Nothing resists you, and you did it, and the products are so good. So I'm super excited for this. Then on the bigger scale, I would say the next chapter I'm really excited about is retail mm. because this is new to us. And I don't know why people had this idea that we will be only D2C. And I really don't know why. I think Glossier really created this trendy trend thing about beauty brands to be d 2 because yeah. that's where you potentially make the most money. And But for me, the brand, my brand needs human connection. It needs to be in real life. It was always meant to be with retail. It's just that by starting with D2C, I have more no control over the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I need to do that before I establish my brand. And and, and then in retail, that like it's your own flagship, it's really hard to share that message. So we found very great partners who understand the mission of the brand and the philosophy of the brand, and they understood how to share it. So we're not just like dead products on the shelf. And so I'm so excited for this new step for the brand. Very, very excited.
0: That was Violette Sarah, founder and CEO of Violette FR, which you can find on Instagram at Violette underscore FR. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at GemKWatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to The Glow Journal Podcast and thank you for joining me. The Glow Journal Podcast would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people, the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast
1: is produced. We pay our respects to Elders past and present.